0: You know, we're, we, we've we been in this series about the Sabbath, and um, I, I thought, I, I really thought it was going to be like a week, two weeks. <laughs> hey, guys, it's healthier for you. Stop working so much. You know, and, and it, it became so, so much more. And this week, what we're going to be talking about is how he is Lord of the Sabbath. And so much of this comes down to the way that, that um, he's Lord of this church and the way that, that we respond to him as the head of this, and what my position is in that as well. So, uh, this is wonderful. The first question I have here in my notes is, uh, is, is talking about what is under your control? Like, what is really under your control? What do you have authority over? Not a thing. Not, <laughs> not a thing, which is not fully true. You can move your arm right now. You can comb your hair right now. You can take your glasses off. You have control over some things that we do. We have control in our, in our jobs to some extent. I had this boss who called me to his desk. This is one of the things I wanted to share. And it was uh, he had a 15-minute meeting scheduled. And I knew when he scheduled 15 minutes, it's either really good or really bad. <laughs> the one thing it's not is average, right? Y- you know coming into that desk, there's a story here. And then I saw that he invited my manager, okay, my manager's manager, okay, my manager's manager's manager. <laughs> so we're now up at the VP at, at IPM and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I have no idea what this is gonna be. And I go in there 15 minutes and I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like 24 at this time and I'm just nervous. And I go in there, they're all sitting there in a row. <laughs> and they have uh, the, f- the conference call on and they actually have somebody else on, on the conference call too. Like, do you know what this is about? I said I have no idea. It's like when the cop pulls you over. Do you know why I stopped you? And it's like, you tell me. <laughs> and uh, and it was it was good news. <laughs> no, it was not my I knew it was not my birthday. It was good news, and, and they, they did. They had a promotion for me, and it was actually an answer to prayer and, and some stuff that I was praying about for the Lord and trying to figure out how long he wanted to be in, in employment, how long he wanted to be at this job. And there was an answer to all this stuff as he gave me more responsibilities and more things to do, and, and it was a calling, too. It was a calling up in the job. And, and it, it's really allowed me to look at this question. What do we have under our control? What do we do with who we are? I remember when my girls realized that who I was in the church was not as everybody else was in the church, and, and my, my kids looked at me and they said, are you like the boss of the church? And I got to tell you, this is not a good thing. This is to my shame. I felt like, you know, puff out the chest and like, yes. What a horrible thought, simply because Christ alone is the head. But I'm a faithful steward of what he's called us to. So when, when we're talking about the Sabbath, when we're talking about who he's called us to be, what we do as a church in response to that, as he is Lord and what we do in reaction to that, what I do for this church, how being a servant to all, how God calls us up, how God anoints us for these things, you know, church, we have five years under our belt at the continued realization that, that, that not I, that not Vineyard USA, not any one of us is boss of this church that Christ alone has called us to things and equipped us for things and given us a mission and a purpose far beyond what we could dream, what we would hope for, what we would plan for for ourselves. Because this church, this church is God's plan. As the, as the, the idea was coming out here this morning, I accept that. With what I do in response to that, who I am in response to that is what colors this whole thing. The way that you respond in light of that colors this whole thing. The, this idea of, of the word Lord is really kind of outdated. It, it's used pretty much whenever we watch old British sitcoms or, or BBC things, you know, or whenever we're in religious circles and we sing about the Lord. But we don't use the word Lord too frequently. Lord is, is something that we don't really acknowledge and, and have a place for in America. It's weird to hear it. You know, it's either Jesus or this throwback to an archaic time. I grew up in, in the church, so hearing when British TV shows talk about, you know, the crown as in, you know, he's Lord of the man or Lord of these things, it actually makes me cringe a little bit. Because my, my first understanding of the word Lord, of this authority figure, is Jesus. And so to hear it given to, like, a person over a house always caused me grief. I was like, how can he be the like there's only one lord, there's only one god, there's only one king? How could we have this? And it, and it caused me stress. And I, I shared this when I was in Russia. How troubling it was for me whenever we sang a worship song about Tsar Jesus. I mean, just saying Tsar Jesus just caused me to to have a momentary panic of <laughs> like, wait a minute. Is this is this okay? Is this can we say that? Can, is is that and of course it means king, it means ruler, it, that, that's their word for, for how they acknowledge he who is above all. And what a wonderful thing to put on, he, he, he's the czar of czars, you know, he, he's the king of kings, the lord of lords, the teacher of teachers. He, he's the one who healed though he goes before us, he's the head of heads, the general of generals. That where we fit into this thing, as we follow this, he alone is our head. And how beautiful, how wonderful for all the church, for the kings, for the lords of the land, to lay down their titles before him and to say, as you go, so go I. I will follow you all of these things, all these ways. So, Lord, Lord of the Rings, (laughs) Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Dance. Does anybody know Lord of the Dance? That one's not used as much. But we're going to be talking about the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath this morning. Because this whole idea, like I said, of the Sabbath, this is not at all like, hey, just every, every seven days, y'all, we need to pause. Anne had a really wonderful thing she shared this morning about how the Sabbath is kind of becoming this, this big part of, of our thoughts, of our devotions, of, of the thing that we enter. Tabby talked about how I can enter into the Sabbath rest every day, like how we have this invitation. So when we say that he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's Lord of the rest, what does that actually mean? Mean? I feel like it's one of those phrases we can throw away and acknowledge because we say he's Lord of all. Okay, if he's Lord of all, then he's Lord of, you know, this meal. He's Lord of this church. He's, he's Lord of the skies. He's Lord of this tree. He's, he's Lord of all. Why do we need to give more specific titles? Why do we need to acknowledge that he's Lord of of this church? Why do we have to acknowledge that? And I think it makes it so personal. It makes it so direct. It has very important application. He's somebody who has power or authority in a certain realm. Because whenever we say, like, you're lording over somebody, we don't mean that in a good way. (laughs) We mean you're exercising a power and authority that I don't recognize. You're, You're being unkind to me in some way. So this idea of lordship being so foreign to us, but yet at the same time being something so specific that that needs to be demonstrated. We can acknowledge in certain contexts and not in others. So he's Lord of something. So Acts 10, 34 to 36. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of the Jews. He's Lord of the Gentiles. He's, he's Lord of this church, and he's Lord of that church. So these specific things, that, like our church, that church, my role, your role, what's the value of this? Why When we talk about him being the Lord of the Sabbath, what are we actually saying? You know these British titles. Anybody know the full title of, of the Queen of England? <laughs> Here, I pulled this up. Here it is, Queen Elizabeth II, Her Majesty Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of her other realms and territories, which is just a catch-all, head of the Commonwealth, defender of the faith. And that is not the long version, that is the short version. And then you've got her husband, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Merith, and Baron Greenwich, Knight of the Garter, Knight of the Thistle Order of Merit, Knight Grand Cross of the Order of the British Empire, Companion of the Order of Australia, Companion of the Queen's Service Order, Privy Councillor. Now <laughs> now imagine having to write this out every time you sign an email address like that That's quite a header. I have appeared the the real Prince Philip and also the guy who plays him well, in the Crown. <laughs> org, they'd be a .org. Um, but the reason why, Brandt got me to watch The Crown on, on Netflix, you can blame him for this. And, and as I was watching a few of these episodes, Prince Philip has this really funny thing when he starts to learn to fly. So he wants to learn to fly, and, and they're, they're taking off from this airport, and he goes, hey, we should go to Edinburgh. You know, they, they made me duke of there. I should show up once in a while. What a strange concept, Right. They made me duke of this place. I guess I should show up now and then. And I think sometimes when we think of the Lord of all and the other territories, we forget that he's Lord of today. We forget that he's Lord of this church. We, we put this grand title on there, which is true. He is Lord of all. But he's Lord of today. He's, he's Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Vineyard Church of Holy Springs. He's my Lord. I take off my crown, I, I bow to him. I, I take my titles and I give them to him. We lay down and we give him that reign because he is Lord of all, but he is, he's not just Lord of all. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of your Sabbath. And you might try to make your own Sabbath something and it's not going to work out the same way if he is not Lord of it. I was thinking about Mardi Gras for some strange reason. And, and the, the wonderful thing that is Fat Tuesday, when we think of Mardi Gras, Unfortunately, what we think of is all the debauchery, all of the, 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 the terrible exploits that the people do to, to just go crazy, to, to, to go to excess, to have this, this hedonism, this hedonistic lifestyle. But Fat Tuesday began because they said, we are going to be entering into a period of fasting. And before we go into fasting, we need to, to get rid of all this stuff. All the stuff I have in my house that I'm not going to be able to eat, I don't want it to go to waste. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have a community event. I'm going to invite everybody to come, share in the excess that I have before I go in and, and I fast to the Lord. So, so come on and enjoy my table. Enjoy what, what I have, what I've saved up. What a wonderful, beautiful idea. And what have we done with it? Maybe not us. Maybe you haven't been to, to New Orleans during Mardi Gras, but, but what has Fat Tuesday become? It's become something completely unrecognizable from what it meant to be. And I think the, the Lord of the Sabbath, the Sabbath, whenever again we use this phrase from Eugene Peterson, which is a bit shocking, but the bastard day off. It, it, and I think it's a, such a good phrase because it shocks you to realize it doesn't have a father. Our weekends, the way that we know vacation, the way that we know our breaks, we think of it as I, I have to stop and it's going to be a cease and desist. And if anything, it's going to be selfish. It's going to be self-serving. It's going to be a a hedonistic way of of trying to just pour into my flesh the things that I want. Is Jesus Lord of that day? When we break, when we pause, when we stop from our, our labors, when we stop from realizing this church isn't my best idea, but it's God's best idea, when we stop from our plans and give it to him, are we entering to his rest and saying, you are Lord of the Sabbath? You are, you're setting the temperature. You're controlling this. You're telling me what to do. Or are we saying, it's really my day. This is really my day. You know, like, like it, it, what, what's the, the treat yourself from Parks and Rec? It's really all about me today. I, I want to try to build my empire as best as I can. I want to get all these titles. I want to get all these accolades. I want to build my own kingdom as best as I can. The idea of a Lord who has no connection to a land or a people or the subject of their lordship is just ludicrous. If you're a lord of all, you've got to be lord of the specifics. You know, I, the, we talk about the, the role that I have in this church, and I was greatly influenced by one of the, the first elders that I, I served alongside who, who told me, you know, people who, who want to be a, a leader, do they realize, like, we're just accountable? <laughs> like at the end of the day, like, I have to stand before Jesus, and account for things. I have to be responsible for the things that are said, the things that aren't said. I have to be responsible. If there is somebody in this church who has been gifted and called, and I pass over them out of egotism or pride or blindness or ignorance, I'm responsible for that. If you have gifts, if you have equipping and calling, and we don't make space for you, I'm accountable for that. And I believe that. So whenever I pray for us, whenever I, I care for this, the, the, the idea that I have of what we do as a church, the way that, that he is Lord of all and I serve him, is we bow down and we say, Lord, it's your idea. Would you guide us? Would you give us direction? Would you, would you show us what it is? This idea of the Lord of the Sabbath comes to us in Matthew 12, 1 through 8. It's in Mark 2, 23 through 28. It's in Luke 6, 1 through 10. We're not going to read each of those. They're, they're pretty repetitive. If you get it once, you, you get it three times in these synoptic gospels. But I want to point out, it's in the second chapter of Mark. Second chapter of Mark. That's remarkable. I mean, that, that, that's like right there in the beginning. Like, here's the beginning. Here's the introduction. Hey, guys, he's Lord of the Sabbath. He didn't build up to this. <laughs> this wasn't like anything else. Mark is wonderful because he's like the Cliff Notes version. Right, I mean, if you ever need a, a quick gospel, you you open up Mark, and, and I was made fun of this. I was a, a Royal Ranger growing up. You might have been a Boy Scout. I was a Royal Ranger, which is like the Christian version. We didn't learn to tie as many knots, and we didn't sell popcorn. Um, but the very first meeting I went to, the Royal Rangers, they said, all right, for your first merit badge, I said there's no merit badges in the kingdom. I believe that. But in the Royal Rangers, you get badges. So for your first badge, you have to read one of the gospels. Which one? And they said this like two minutes after I walked through the door, and all the little boys are like staring at me. And I'm like, uh, John. And the boys went, oh, no. And I was like, what? And they said, you always pick Mark. (laughs) It's the shortest one. It's really quick. You pick John. That's a long gospel. So I learned right there, you got to go with Mark. Mark's a really strong one. He hits the high notes really quickly. But he hits in Mark 2 that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And the more that we have spent on the Sabbath, the more central that I, I see this idea of the Sabbath through all of scripture. It's this hope, this rest, this call, this promise, this joy. The Sabbath is in the middle of the Ten Commandments. It, it's it's the, the heartbeat that gets us from creation to revelation. The way it began, the way it ends, the Sabbath rest that Jesus himself enjoyed at creation, that he calls us back into after he makes things right. This is more than just a healthy rhythm for our days, but it is that too. Luke has a bigger implication. He gets at the heart of the matter, but we're going to be using Matthew 12 for our study right here. I'm going to read this for us right now. Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, Your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. You might be tempted to stop at that point. It feels like a an easy break. It feels like that's the end of the Sabbath stuff. But I, I want to read this next part because I, I think it ties in so importantly. Aware of this, your Bible might have that that little break, right? Those are not in the original text. <laughs> Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. He's not just Lord when there's things to do. I think that's often how we see this stuff. I've got work to do. I've got things to accomplish. I've, I have an agenda to fulfill. I have a to-do item that I have to, to satisfy. I, I have to do these things. He's not just Lord of our to-do lists. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. When we say no to work, when we lay down and rest, he remains Lord when we take off our crowns, when we, when we stop trying to make church what we want it to be, when we stop trying to drive the drumbeat of our lives until we pass out from exhaustion, he is still Lord. He cannot stop being Lord over the, the macro and the micro. He will be Lord from the first to the last. It's who he is. It's his title. It's not just a job description. It's not just something he added on. He is Lord of the Sabbath. It's not just the laws of the Sabbath. It's not just the duration of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of it all. He's not just Lord when there's things to do. It's the antithesis of God helps those who help themselves. That's not biblical, but yet we say it like it is. We want that to be true. God helps those who help themselves. What does that mean? That means, come on, pick up. you got work to do. Now, do we have work to do? Sure. But the idea then is we can't really count on God to do these things, so you've got to do this yourself. Just do your part, and then we'll see that. The antithesis of that is that he is Lord of the Sabbath. When you stop, when you stop trying, he is still Lord. And how wonderful that he remains Lord of the Sabbath. This wasn't just then, this is now. John Wimber has this famous story that, that he, he was a church planter. He had seen great success in the vineyards, and, and they, these were growing and, and, and blossoming. Things were happening, and the Lord met with him and said, I've seen your church. <laughs> and he says the, the implication was, I'm not that impressed. <laughs> I've seen what you've got. I've seen, I've seen what you can build up. And then, and then the Lord said to him, let me show you mine. Let me show you mine. That's my entire hope. That's my entire hope. Because I don't want my church. I want his. It's not that I'm the boss of this church. It's not that Lee and I have the best plans. Now I take and I receive this blessing that we were offered this morning. And I receive it with a whole heart. Because that allows me to lay it back down on his throne. Because as it rests on me, so it, like, like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. So with whatever I have, the courage I have, the boldness I have, the passion I have, we bow the knee and we say, it is his. It is his to do with. It is his to use. It's his to to paint the picture as he needs to paint it. I love that in the uh, NLT, in the King James, Matthew 12, it, it reads, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I actually like that. I like that it includes the word even. He's Lord of all. He's Lord even of the Sabbath. Even of this day, when it, whenever it doesn't, when you're not working, even when you're, you're told, commanded, stop working, He's Lord even of that day. Even of that day, even when you stop from your labors, He remains Lord. It's not just the law of the Sabbath, it's the duration of the Sabbath. The content of the Sabbath, the activity of the Sabbath, the blessing of the Sabbath, even the judgment of the Sabbath. He is Lord over all of that. We can cease laboring to attain God's favor. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you that, that, that wonderful command right now. You can stop trying to earn God's favor. Who, who in here has tried to earn God's favor? I mean, I, I have. You can stop trying to to earn God's favor that's the gospel that's the Sabbath you you don't have to work for this anymore you can stop trying to earn your way in you can stop trying to please him you can stop trying to to make yourself good enough that's the gospel that's the Sabbath he's Lord when you stop working he's Lord of the Sabbath Jesus is saying even here and now that he's the one who gave us the law the example the Sabbath that was always him It's always him. Even when it's bread in the consecrated table, even when these grains were growing, even when the law was written, he was Lord then. And here he says, do you not know that it's good to do good on the Sabbath? That's the plan. That's the purpose. When we look at the lordship that Jesus employs, here's the thing. We can't mistake this. He's Lord. He's Lord. He has authority and power as we do not. And he commands. And we have work to do. Like I said, the very first of this, the Sabbath empowers us to do work. It readies us for those six days of work so we can have that day of rest. We're ready to do this because of the Sabbath. The Sabbath frames our work. It begins it and it completes it. It's that rhythm that we fall into. But the thing is, these ideas of commands, of work, of authority, they're polluted by our worldly experiences. People say, give us a king. They say, give us a strong leader. They say, give us a a general. And what do you see with a wicked general? They send your sons to war to die. What do you see with a wicked king? They say, give me all of your money so that I can build a kingdom for myself. The wickedness when when these powerful positions, this authority is used to gain the person who has them instead of the lordship when you lay it down before his feet. Praise God for the kingdom of God, which shows us a more perfect way, that with Jesus as our head, with Jesus as our main minister, as the servant of all who bowed before them and said, I give my life for you. What does it mean to be a pastor? What does it mean to be an elder? What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to be a small group leader? What does it mean to lead story-formed life? What does it mean to lead worship? It means we serve and we lift everyone up. What does it mean to work in the nursery? What's it mean to work in the kids' church? What's it mean for those right now who are getting our barbecue sandwiches and our cakes together so that when we're done, we can go have that? It means you love and you lift up as Christ did. Let me be my own boss. That's the dream. Give us a king, somebody who can make us proud. Bob Dylan sang out, you got to serve somebody. He's saying that after he met Jesus. He had to have a life change. You got to serve somebody. But lordship and Sabbath relate because they give us a more perfect view on work and command and rest and love and purpose. I love when my boss tells me that I can go home for the day. I really do. Like, that's one of my favorite moments. And I, I particularly love on a, like a, on a Friday before, like, a three-day weekend, I had a few bosses who would tell me at, like, 2 p.m., go home. And I love it. Do you know why I love it? Because they're no longer the boss over me. (laughs) Because I can leave and it's no longer, they can't tell me what to do with my time, right? It's this wonderful release that they're saying, you're free to go. Here's the thing about the Lordship of Jesus though. He says, take your Sabbath. I'm still Lord. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And that's a good thing. Because I'm going to take care of you on that day. On that day when you don't have your your guard up, on that day where you're not patrolling, on that day where where you're not earning and working and striving and doing all these things, do we still pick up our cross? Yes, I believe so. Are we still being a faithful husband? Yes, I believe so. So We're not stopping from those things, but he obtains, he works, he accomplishes those things because they've already been accomplished on the cross. Because it's already been done. We can rest and trust in him. I don't know if you've ever heard the, the saying that the devil doesn't take a day off. Yeah. I mean, we say that why? So that you're always cautious, so that you're always there, but the devil doesn't take a day off. It doesn't work out so well for him in the end, right? <laughs> you you know how this thing ends up. The Lord showed us to take a day off, and yet he remains Lord. He takes a day off, but his power and authority don't go away. Who he is is actually revealed. In the Sabbath, my boss at work, his authority and his dominion stop on my day off. But the Lord gets revealed. Now that tells you that this whole paradigm is, is, is flipped. The way we see our day off, the way we understand a break from work and the Sabbath, they're not the same thing. Because the Sabbath is this best understanding we have that he's Lord today. I can be with him today. And that he can fulfill me today. He can satisfy me today. All of this can come to fruition today because it's the Sabbath when I can see him and know him. Have you ever had a bad boss? Somebody who's concerned more about the outcome than the people. Somebody who's concerned more about what you can do for me than what I can do for you. Somebody who says, you know, you give me 40 hours. Can I have a little bit more? I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday and work a little bit more. Uh, we, we need a bit more. Bottom line, we're just looking at this bottom line. Never ask you how you're doing. Never ask you, are, are you doing okay? Never, never check in on you. Some bad bosses are really bad. And they, they drive us into the ground. And, and they, they teach us things about work and ourselves that, that are not kingdom-based. And we learn those things, and we think that that might be the case. The thing is, we're not slaves to the gospel. are slaves to Righteousness. But the gospel sets us free, and it says it's for freedom he set us free. So as we're slaves to righteousness, as we're slaves to Christ, what that means, the freedom that he employs, the way when we abide by that, when we connect to him, that we say, you're my Lord, he says, yes, go. I give you freedom. I give you blessing. That's what this means to be a slave of the gospel. To be a slave of righteousness is to be free. To be free indeed. Indeed. We have this strangeness when we see Hollywood exorcisms and the line that the power of Christ compels you. You know, and we think that this is like some magical incantation phrase that, that, that's just going to, just, just this, this bare nature thing It's going to make something happen. And I love whenever Jesus was casting the demons out, the man who was in chains. He was coming towards him, commanding the devils to come out of this man this whole time, approaching him, doing this. It didn't happen in a word with Jesus. Do you realize how remarkable that is? That he was saying this and he repeated this and, and, and it was resisting. They had a conversation after he was, he was commanding it to come out. How is that possible? Because his lordship, his authority, while well, absolute and total and absolutely there from the very first word that created everything that you know, his lordship is so instilled with his character of love that he will not break Appended bended reed and he won't bruise those that he loves that his way and we've used this phrase in, in the church and i always hem and haw about it, you know that the holy spirit's a gentleman and i know what we mean by that see he doesn't bulldoze us over for the sake of the gospel he doesn't chew us up and spit us out now people have been chewed up and spit out by the church and gospel all along i gotta tell you that's not christ's way that's not the way Even when he chastised his disciples, even whenever he was correcting them for the hundredth time, Peter, (laughs) get behind me, Satan, you know, all this time in the thick of that, Peter was never turned away. Peter was never said, that's enough, I'm, I'm, I'm so done with this. He was called again. He was restored again. He was loved again. How wonderful to be chastised, to be disciplined, to be loved by the Lord to be brought to a better place, that he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's Lord of my training, he's Lord of my freedom, he's Lord of my slavery, he's Lord of all. And I can see that here. And I bring up this point about the power of Christ compels us because I think that we have this magical thinking and we see God as our genie. And we have this idea that, that maybe if I just get the words right, maybe if I can just do the right moves, you know, maybe if I can just learn the posture, if I can just get the right prayer down, if I can just acknowledge him by the right title, then everything's going to be fine. If I acknowledge him with these words, then, then everything will just. And it's magical thinking, and it's not the gospel. And I, I've struggled with this, and I, I, I have magical thinking in my head. And every time that, that, that phrase came to my mind, and I began to see how Hollywood's influenced me in, in thinking this, and, and that the, the prayers, the rote prayers that we just repeat, Mindlessly and senselessly. It's magical thinking. And I want to control God. I want to make something happen. But he's Lord of the Sabbath. When we're quiet, when we're still, when we cease from our labors, he's Lord of the Sabbath just as much as he's Lord of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We talked about last week our Edenic Sabbaths, getting back to what God experienced on that first Sabbath in His garden, with the lawn being mowed, the hedges are trimmed, the dog poop is all picked up. There's that fresh milled lawn smell in the air, you know, the really great, relaxing thing. And you make a glass of sweet tea, you grab some fresh mint from your garden, you sit back in this chair, and you look. And there's no more work for you to do in this garden. There's no more work for you to do in this land. It's all accomplished. Your kids are playing with a soccer ball, and they're not fighting for some amazing reason. <laughs> and your wife comes up to you, takes your hand, and sits in the chair next to you. and You just have, you have family and oneness, and you've accomplished something. And there's something of that, of the Sabbath. It's community. It's family. It celebrates work, and it's good, and it's done. And then it see, we see that the Pharisees, Plotted to kill him, as he's loving his family, (laughs) as he's as he's bringing out the the family dinner, as he as he's saying, "This has always been the case, guys. Don't you know that this was with David? You love David. He's like your guy. Don't you know what David did? The priests, the priests break the Sabbath regularly. They work on the Sabbath, and it's and they're still innocent. And here's a man with a shriveled hand. What do you think the father wants to do? Do you get the heart of this, Lord, even of the Sabbath?" And so we get the quote from Isaiah 42. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Aware that they wanted to kill him, aware that they didn't get the Sabbath. And a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. Smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory. In the name the nations will put their hope. He will work this out. He will bring justice through his victory. He is Lord of the Sabbath. That's the trajectory. That's where we're going. But we're not there yet. But his lordship is healing for all. It's humility. His lordship is the Father's delight when you look at these things. So we join with the Father's work. We proclaim justice. Why didn't Christ compel justice? And think about that, like, legitimately. (laughs) Why didn't the power of Christ compel justice now? Why didn't it compel Caesar to step down? Why didn't it compel those who plotted to kill him to shut their mouths right now and to be silent? Why? Why? Because his character is entwined with his lordship. His ways are not our ways. His power was not so that his power could be on display. His power shows his character. The fact that he's Lord of the Sabbath shows what sort of a lord we have, what sort of a king we have, who doesn't get all the titles for himself that he can, who doesn't want to expand his land values so that he can make his treasures as rich as they are. It's so that he will not break a bended reed. That he will not snuff out a wick that's smoldering. Because that's his character. That's his love. And he's going to take all the time he needs to bring about justice through victory. Building this. Breaking this through. The Sabbath with Christ as Lord is, yes, that we're able to cease and stop and not worry. But on the Sabbath, Jesus is revealed as Lord. Like hopefully any good sermon should Like those aha moments when you finally have this this revelation. Like when you finally get that last piece to a puzzle put in and you can see the full picture. Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath means you get to finally see this thing clearly. Like when you drive over a hill, you can finally see those distant mountains and all their glory. Like, oh, that's my Lord. He's Lord of the Sabbath. He's revealed not just because of the splendor of his works, or the capability of his power, but the character of our good Lord. So it's Psalm 23. So with this idea of the good Lord of the Sabbath, let's look at Psalm 23. You know this. I'm going to read this. Just think about Sabbath. Think about stopping. Think about being hopeless. Think about being unable to accomplish things as these words, that which you know, speak to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. the presence of mine enemies my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That might be the Sabbath psalm. That might be the best expression of him as Lord. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. How could it be any other way? I'm going to walk through that valley of shadow death. I will not fear. We we often talk about courage means that, you know, yeah, you you understand that there's fear. But if he's Lord of the Sabbath, we don't need to fear. We actually don't. Fear is actually driven away. Is he Lord of my Sabbath or is he not? And I got to tell you, I've had more days off. I've had more vacation than I've had Sabbaths. Still as I'm struggling with this, as I'm working for this, he needs to be Lord of my Sabbaths. He needs to be Lord of our Sabbaths. This, this is not just for us, though it is for us. The world, our friends, our family, our coworkers, everybody needs Sabbath. This is, this is the invitation of the gospel to come and find this. This is the promise that there can be a table prepared in the presence of my enemies the world could be falling apart all around you. There's evilness and wickedness. There's people who are doing things that, that are just to hurt you. And you know what? Let's stop and have a meal. <laughs> you want some tea? Got barbecue sandwiches and cake. No time like the present. Enjoy. But Lord, <laughs> He wants my head on a spike. Have another glass. I'm Lord. I'm Lord. I've got this, I've got you. What a wonderful, wonderful Father we serve. So welcome to five years. (laughs) Um, He is Lord of our church. As long as we have any say in this, may we serve this faithfully to lay down everything he gives us for his glory. And may the work that, that Leah and I and your elders and your leadership and, and your small group leaders and all the things that you do, people here, you're all servants. And I know that. If, if, if you If everybody here raises their hand who serves here, it's like almost everybody. Like what a wonderful church we have, that we all have this. And may we remember this is the way forward. This is who we are because that's who he is. And we're going to continue to be faithful in this way. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you for these people. But, Lord, we acknowledge you are head of us all. We are your servants. And with whatever power and authority you give to us, we will use it, Father, to lift you up, to be faithful to your name, to be faithful to your ways, to have the character that you showed us. So we say, we proclaim your Lord the Sabbath and your Lord the Vineyard Church of Holly Springs and your Lord of all. Thank you, Father, for just being who you are. (laughs) Not even what you do, but the way that you do it. Thank you, Father, for being so kind, so loving, so generous. That even whenever there's warfare around, even whenever there's death around, even whenever there's loss around, you're you. You don't you don't change and panic and move in fear and, and try to recalculate our routes. <laughs> but you're a rock. And we'll follow you. So Lord, would you bless our weeks? Would you bless our Sabbaths? Would you bless our lives and our families? Would you bless this food? We love you in your ways. In the name of Jesus. Amen.